fairly early in the novel, and it's sort of it's it's, sort of, it's almost it's thrown out as a little observation, um, which is they're on the plane and our heroine looks across and sees a mother trying to soothe a, a, a crying child. She realised that parenting was at least I think half a performance for for other people. That mm-hmm. you, I was interested by the side of performance and, and acting, and that mm-hmm. becomes a a large part of of the plot, but also, I think, a sort of thematic exploration of this idea of identity, like performing identity. I think that there's a whole, there's so much performance going on in the, in the book, which, and, and at some point you don't even know how, because it's told in the second person, you don't know how much of what she's telling you, or what rather what the, you're being told as a reader is, is a performance too. She's saying, you do this, you do this, you do that, or I'm saying that, the author is saying you mm. do this, but you don't know how much of it is actually true or not true and there's a little bit of playing you know around with that as well um i think that for me the whole entire book very much is about performance performance as a parent performance as um as a stand-in performance as an actress and you know what is it when, when are you actually yourself when are you really not performing in a way especially for her when she doesn't have anyone around that she knows is everything performance or is nothing a performance what is what is the real when is she really herself is that your view of, of, of a kind of identity, sort of fu- fundamentally, or is it? Do you well, think I, it's? Yeah, I think the, the, the idea, my idea of purest identity, is that when you're not performing anything, is actually when you're who you are, right? Okay. So if you're, you're the, the absence of performance is is true identity. When do you? But when are we? Like I was talking to a friend of mine about who was talking about meditation, and I, I can't do, I can't shut off, and I think there's some bit of me that even then was sort of self-conscious enough to be wondering if someone was watching me sort of you know, meditating and trying to quieten my mind. Right, right. Know. And I was thinking, when, when, when am I this, this self that doesn't... Uh, I, I just wonder if that's different for... No, I can't meditate either for okay. the same reason. <laughs> I'm thinking, here I am meditating. I'm not concentrating. I'm not... <laughs> my mind is not blank. Um, yeah, I, um, I... When are you truest to yourself? I think just when you've... Once, actually... When did I, I read this thing once? It was about this is going to sound very strange and off topic, but it's really struck me. It was a commentary in the New Yorker many years ago about the Academy Awards and how you, the only time you see actors not acting is that moment when they're about to announce who's won, and it's just that brief second before they say the winner, and, this, and the camera's on each of the five, you know, finalists or say or ten finalists now. No, five finalists. They still have five for actors, and before they announce it the camera's on them and you just see this thing pass across their face just for a second before they applaud and have to be really happy for somebody else who's won but it's like the briefest of moments and I was, that's always struck me like that's when they're actually you see them for the first time not performing and I think about that in, in life too how like you know it's almost that scene when you see your friend I had an experience recently where I saw somebody on the highway in San Francisco, right outside San Francisco, driving really annoyingly. And this, this person was being a terrible driver and kind of just being really rude. I looked over and saw it was actually someone I knew pretty well. And I thought, oh my gosh, maybe that's such, that's her true person. Maybe she's actually a really <laughs> terrible person who just drives around and you know, is really angry the world that doesn't give that off to... So maybe the truth is that you post yourself when you're in your car. Furious. <laughs> Furious. <laughs> is that what happened to you that day when you saw yourself on the... Is that a little bit like you seeing yourself on a... On a surveillance, surveillance camera. camera. Yeah, I think that was actually interesting. Seeing myself on a surveillance camera was really interesting because I didn't know... Obviously, I didn't know I was being watched. Uh. I didn't know there was a surveillance camera. The hotel, for, by the way, didn't even 
really realize it was a surveillance camera until <laughs> afterwards because that's how informed they were about everything. Um, but yeah, seeing yourself not acting but just going through the motions is is very was very. Um, bizarre and plus the fact that it was in black and white also gave it some more like authority it really looked like it was like you know it was you know first of all it looked like it was me 50 years in the past or something it was very strange but yeah I think there is a sense of when you catch yourself mm-hmm. not performing um, you realize first of all how how there's so few di- times in the day when you when you aren't performing you know I'm thinking even for my kids when I they come home they show me their artwork and they say oh that's I'm so proud of you. It's wonderful. Mm. And of course, my brain is having maybe a different, you know, thing like, oh, did he write his... Is that his, a B? Right? Is that a B? I did, did he write his R backwards again? <laughs> Whatever it is. But the, the judgmental side that you don't say, you know, you can't say, especially to children, but you have to perform and say, oh, you know, um, say what you what you think. Actually, someone told me recently as a parent that you should, the best thing to always say, especially if your kids are playing sports, is not to say that you're, you know great job or next time do that better you maybe should kick the ball in the goal or not you know maybe you shouldn't kick the ball in the opposing team's goal um but to um to actually just say i really enjoy watching you because that's the most honest thing you can say to a child is i I really enjoy watching you and i think that's the only time you're really honest with your kids you're to say i enjoy watching you one's crashing into the various tables on them so you don't enjoy watching that. Yeah, I do. I think, good job, good she? job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if I, we're talking meditation. How about when you're writing? I mean, is that a place where there's a sense of an essential self, or are you? I suppose it depends what, perhaps, how you're writing, whether you're editing mm-hmm. or. That's a really good question. You know, I think I, there's a sense when you're really deep in something, when you really are kind of lost in the story. I think that's probably when you maybe are not being truest to yourself, but you're being truest to a character or to a story. You're not thinking as much. People think you're thinking a lot when you're writing, but actually if you're really, really excited about something as a part, and I think a lot of writers I've talked to will agree where you're your brain is actually kind of turned off in a way and you're just in the story and you're just kind of going to the rhythm and you know what's happening before your your hands are typing words that you haven't really thought about and so maybe that's when you're you're truer to yourself but is that does that does that kind of fluency come when you when you really hear your your character when you tapped in yeah i always start writing books by hand um in fact this book well this book i had no choice but to start writing by hand because i <laughs> i wrote it on the way back from morocco and my my computer had been stolen there so i was writing just on any piece of scrap paper and i knew i wanted to get some things down, but I always, whether or not my computer has been stolen, I always, um, I always start books by hand because I kind of want to just really get into the rhythm of the sentences and kind of feel, um, feel more attached to them. And then at a certain point, I switch over to typing. But, um, but that's only when I feel like I'm really have the rhythm. For me, the rhythm comes first before anything what else. Is it about? David Gates said um, his first novel, which he says will be seen by no one was written when he was going into New York uh, on the train. He said he couldn't take the pen off the paper, and there was something about that, that motion. Feeling, yeah. But is it, what is it about pen on paper that... I think it's this new this term I've been thinking about recently, how when some books just have topspin. You know, like you kind of, <laughs> no, and I mean that seriously. You know, if you're right, working on two books, and one will just have more topspin than the other, it just has more, like, you just know this, there's something faster, there's something that you've mm. more energy to, and I think that writing on paper can kind of give you that in a way if you get really tapped into it and tapped into the rhythm okay. of the sentences. So it's computers, is that for more for editing and shaping and after? Yeah, I think after you've gotten the rhythm of it. For me, yeah, I can't explain for me, it's really like, I, 
I get the, I know the rhythm of the sentences and then I can go to the okay. computer. What was, is there a particular rhythm, is there a topspin for, for this novel? It, it, it had a sort of giddy, sort of loopy momentum. Loopy momentum. <laughs> I mean loopy in, yeah. in all senses of the word, but it, it was, there was, there was a, a nice feeling of out of controlledness, which... Uh, I start to feel quite weird about halfway through it. Yeah, um, you're supposed to. That's good. <laughs> good. Still feeling a bit strange. Now. Um, I think yeah, this sense of displacement and trying to feel you know, like you're never quite sure. It's just like the character, you're never quite sure exactly where you are, what's happening next. And I wanted that to be to be part of it. Is that how you wrote it? Did you write it not quite knowing yeah. what was going to be just followed? I didn't want to know what happened. I knew the acts. I actually wrote it like the way you would a screenplay. Okay. And you act one, act two, act three. Not that that is reflected in, in the book, but um, necessarily it doesn't say like act one or act two. Act three, but I knew in my mind what okay. was going to happen. And then I, but I wouldn't let myself think about what was going to happen next until the night before. You know, I would get to the end of the day's work and think <clears throat> tomorrow this might happen. But I actually wouldn't even let myself work it out too much because I wanted it to be a surprise I mean that thing, if you know for me if you know what's going to happen every step of the way it's not as much fun it actually feels very formulaic and I think that actually you know what's so fun about for me about both writing and reading is being surprised about mm. choices the character makes or that you know I guess it's the author that you're making for the character and so if you already have it all mapped up out on some big billboard or some not billboard bulletin board or billboard too <laughs> all mapped out on the billboard god that would be Dan Brown probably does that <laughs> what's he going to do next exactly I think that it, it would take away some of the um, the honesty because you know I think what the really exciting part is when you know what Fitzgerald said a new character is plot um and I feel like that's what's fun is when the character is actually making decisions for you, gets gets him or herself in situations where it dictates a different plot point than you necessarily, you might not necessarily have chosen for them. And that fits with this idea of uh, both of the, the, the movement, the momentum of the novel, but and this idea of self that you, we don't quite know who we are because that's going to be depending on, you know, do we end up having a drink with the famous Hollywood actress on the tenth floor or right. get into a conversation with her? But every all of these things will shape our identity um, but there's also a danger of getting lost and getting into trouble is, is, is there a bit of that that you enjoy when you're imagining these stories that you might run into a, a sort of brick wall or go down a blind alley for a while or do you do you sort of do you build can you build that into, into you can build it into okay. it yeah if you go down a blind alley hopefully you can build it into it and not lose you know, two years of work okay. <laughs> has that happened to you no you go yeah I definitely have gone down I wrote a whole novel that I threw away that this one I actually literally threw away. I didn't lose my my computer wasn't stolen, but one of my first books was a book that I that I ended up throwing away because I I think what happened was I didn't show it to anybody for years. I was just working on it and I had this idea. I'd gone through um, Columbia's writing program. You know these mass these writing programs are much more popular in America than they are in in the in the UK. I think they're becoming more more popular now, or they're more there are more of them now. But um, I went to graduate school at Columbia in New York for three years and in, in, in the program you get so much feedback you're always getting feedback and after that I thought I don't want to have any feedback I want to write a book and not have anyone look at it and when it will be done it will be perfect and uh, <laughs> just on its own and what happened was I finished the book and I I stacked it and I printed it out it was really long too it was like 400 something pages I was very proud of that stacked it up really neatly um, and it was 
you know, every time I read it, I got so bored. This is so boring. This is the most boring book I've ever read. And what I'd was written it about? It. What was it about? Oh, I, you know. Oh. I want to read the most boring book. <laughs> you know, you don't. You don't. And so I, I, I showed it to some friends and said, what should I, you know, I wrote this book. What do you think? I'm thinking that maybe it's not so good. And, you know, so I think I showed it to maybe four or five people. And they all said, ah. And I said, well, I'm thinking about throwing it away. What should I do? And they all said, Wow. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't so you know it's that point that like my analogy is like you're standing about to jump off a bridge and be like you know should I jump or not jump and someone's like well I don't know <laughs> what, did you do? So what did you do I ended up throwing it away I think if four or five people are telling you um, is there not a copy of this thing anywhere somewhere somewhere in my office there's some copy of it but you know I did get one sentence out of it there was one sentence <laughs> I used you know, there was one sentence I used in, in um, let the northern lights erase your name so I wrote 450 pages to get this one Together. sentence. And once actually a reader told me they really liked that sentence, and I said, thank you. <laughs> it was thank you perfect. very much. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> what about this, this the decision to write in the... Oh, God, I'm really bad at the second person. Second person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I wish I could say it was more of a choice. I just started, I you know I started writing when I was on the plane back from Casablanca with my um, pen and scrap paper. I started writing the first sentence in um, second person and I never mm. looked back. Um, I wrote, you know, when you find your seat, you glance at the businessman sitting next to you and decide he's almost handsome. And I, I don't know if that was the exact first sentence. That wasn't actually the original first sentence, but the first sentence was in second person. The first sentence was, why is everyone around? Why is everyone clapping? And then it went into second person. Um, but I realized, oh, they're clapping because they're playing. Yes, but um, I realized you actually, if you want to do second person, you have to introduce it right away. You can't have, just because it's such a jarring experience, mm-hmm. you actually have to get to it with the very first sentence. But in any event, the first paragraph I wrote was in second person, and then I never looked back. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Laurie Moore's mm-hmm. short stories, and you know, since since writing the second person or why I was writing it I was looking at other second person narratives and there's um, there's obviously Bright Lights Big City which is in second person but that's for a different reason I think mm. I mean again identity there it's like you know mm. it's about drug use and someone not really quite being true mm. to themselves and there's a whole reason for the second person in that but um, Juno Diaz has a story in the second person Faulkner wrote some sections in second person Margaret Atwood has some sections in second person um, there aren't I've been told there's another, there's a French novel that's written in second person that has a lot of scenes with banana plantations and that the fact that it had a lot of banana plantation scenes made me not want to want to read it. <laughs> but um, but I, at some point I, you know, I might do it. But So there aren't that many um, full books written in second person, which is also why this, this book isn't the longest book you've ever seen. Because I think that there, it's, it's a hard thing to sustain for... Um, I think it would be a hard thing to sustain for over 300 pages. But for me, I just never looked back um, on writing in the second person. And when I was done, I realized there was another advantage to having it in the second person, which is that the the protagonist's name switches so many times because she's taking on these different identities. Mm. And I don't know about you, but whenever I read, um, I read Russian novels, I always have to keep this sort of chart on the side of who is related yeah. to who and how. And I didn't want the reader to have to think spend so much time thinking, okay, is she now who she says she is? Is she lying? Is she Sabine? Mm. Is she this person? Is she that person? And so saying, um, just saying you throughout the book kind of spares the reader from having to keep track of who 
And she can get confused. Is. Sometimes she's not entirely right, sure sometimes about who she's, she is. She can't yeah. remember who she said she is. Exactly. Yeah. So the second person kind of frees, frees everyone, frees the writer, frees the protagonist, and frees the reader from having to think about that too much. Was there a logical uh, challenge about keeping in mind, if you're writing the second person, was there a logical challenge just to keeping everything straight? But there's certain things you couldn't do and making sure the perspective was always... So it's always on her, but slightly... Slippery was it? Was that? Was it similar to writing, say, in the first person? It's you know, it's, it's similar. The only challenge it's similar to um, first person is describing what the character looks like. Okay. So when you're in first person, you know, there's always an awkward scene in the in a book in first person when they say, "Oh, I look in the mirror and I see." <laughs> um, and there's a similar challenge in, in second person how to describe what you're what she's wearing and what she might look like. And so a lot of that is done with how, how other people see her or, you know, how self-conscious she is about her appearance. You know, you have, she says, you, you've had bad skin since you were in high school. Um, and does it also fit in with this, that, that idea about, about performing and, and acting? It did, it allowed her to, to, to present herself. And I mean, fundamentally to, to lie to quite a lot of, right, of people. people. And, and, and because she backs herself into various corners. But I did have that sense that she's, She's partly chasing events, um, mm-hmm. but there's some part of it that starts to enjoy it. So I think that's what I was probably trying to say to you earlier, sorry, it was back, sort of a question. There was a point where she, this is what she needed somehow to, to really escape. It wasn't enough just to get on a plane. She had to kind of lose who she was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the second person allows you to do The second person is so interesting in that it's like, it can be accusatory. Like, you do this, <laughs> like, you do that. There can be, you know, it can be you talk, a person talking to themselves. Oh, mm-hmm. you're such an idiot! <laughs> you're just you're just talking to yourself about this in this way. Um, I, I always like to say there's also that point in the you know in bad movies again the analogy with bad movies, but in bad movies when um, when the character goes to the bathroom, it's usually like a male character, and he's, he says you know he's like you got he looks in the mirror and says you have to get your life together. And it's always in the, in the you, and so it's yeah. the point of like you know there's all these and I do think this book in many ways um, is like a hall of mirrors, but there are you know all these different mirroring scenes unfortunately I don't think I put a scene in there where she she just looks in the mirror and says you have to get your life together you can do this you can do this, <laughs> you can do this right yeah. you can do this with the yeah. with the fist <laughs> yes part of the reason she's doing this is that she's often the only woman in an area that should be the only westerner in, mm-hmm. in say the square when she's wondering what's going on I think it's the prince of Morocco is mm-hmm. meant to be lurking about the the, the, the new narrative almost made her seem sort of hypersensitive of herself like you were saying you don't you, you didn't recognize yourself on watching it watching herself suddenly think my god i'm not paying attention to my mm-hmm. my backpack she seemed to suddenly have to pay attention to all sorts of things well i think also anytime you've had something stolen you you're very much aware of everything going on afterwards you're very like where's my bag where is this there's a heightened sense of where everything mm. is on you i also think um because she's a woman in a foreign country and she doesn't know the rules of this country or and she doesn't know the rules of this religion either. She's very aware of how she should be dressing on the street. If she should be on the street, she's given lots of looks for being by herself as a Westerner on the street, especially when she's in this crowd scene waiting for the Prince of Morocco and she wonders if she should even be there, if you know, if it's if that, um, if she's allowed there. And um, so I think there is that sense of her being hyper aware of of her place. And same and I don't I think if she's walking on the streets of Los Angeles, she might not be as aware. She would be aware of of, um, of having 
where her possessions were. If she mm. had just been robbed of something, but I don't think she is aware of like what she's wearing and if she should be there as a woman. But because of all these cultural factors and travel, and I think that happens to anyone when you're traveling any place that you're not, you haven't been to before, and you have you don't have friends there, you're always a little bit more aware of whether you should be doing something. <laughs> <laughs>